We're going we're gonna to have the youngest kid come up first. Um, this is our second missions trip, and we couldn't have done the first one or the second one without the, the God-sent help of Bruce Coble. Bruce, if you would go ahead and come on up. I've asked Bruce to share for a couple minutes. Uh, he's been intimately a part of both of this trip and the trip that we took last year when we just went to Hidalgo. Um, he was uh, God-sent help, and so I've asked him to, to share with the group, and so here he is. Well, somebody told me today uh, that uh, I've caught up with Wayne, um, <laughs> age-wise, so I, I don't feel too much like a youth right now, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to pass him. I think Wayne's going to keep his hair, and uh, mine's hair today and gone tomorrow, so... Uh, <laughs> Moving on, uh, uh, watching Klopas speak there in Zimbabwe uh, reminds me again uh, one of the things I asked God when he uh, told me uh, or gave me the opportunity to go to Zimbabwe, and I said, Lord, why me? Uh, I know so many other people that are much better qualified than me. And um, the response I got from God was nothing. He just said, go. (laughs) Uh, because when you obey the Lord and just fulfill the commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, and might, love others, and love yourself, God will use you because you're fulfilling the commandments. You may, whether it's in your home or on the job, at school, or if God uh, gives you the opportunity to go on a mission trip, you may say one sentence uh, for that week or two that will change somebody's life. Because you are a vessel that holds a treasure in it to show forth the excellency of God. So I truly want to encourage you on that. But you've got to believe it. And then you've got to live it. Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus as he was blinded by the light and said, Who are you? And the voice said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And from that moment on, Paul's life was changed because Jesus became Lord of his life. The man that he knew was dead had been risen from the dead and was talking to him. Talking to him. And so from that point on, he obeyed. He knew who Jesus was, and he was Lord of his life, and he obeyed him. And that's what we as Christians do every single day. And we have to answer that question, who is Jesus? Who's his voice that's speaking to me in my heart through the scriptures? And will I obey him? And as we take those steps, and as we follow him, uh, we get to see wonderful things happen in the kingdom, but especially within our own hearts, to have faith and confidence. Watching these young people down at the children's home in Mexico was wonderful. And you think, what can you do when you go down there and see Ray and Leah Hansen and all these wonderful people and how they've lived by faith? You go down and you love them, and you encourage them. And by your words and your actions, their faith is continually built up. When you can encourage somebody in their faith to walk with the Lord, you're giving them a wonderful, wonderful treasure. And our kids did that. They mopped floors, they washed dishes, they carried out trash, they helped dig in the mud pit, which you'll see, uh, and uh, painted and did all kinds of... But in everything they did, they loved God and they loved people. They were wonderful with the children there. Uh, you parents um, and you Sunday school teachers who have taught all these wonderful young people... Um, You've done a wonderful job. 
just a wonderful job with them. And the kids bear fruit, and they're bearing fruit now. Uh, I want to read you a scripture out of 1 John. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have beheld with our hands and handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. So true joy comes through fellowship with Christ and fellowship with others as we proclaim the name of Christ. Uh, The kids had a wonderful attitude, as did all the leaders. They really had a servant's heart in all that they did. Uh, And when I talked to Ray Hansen about a week after we came back, the leader of that ministry down there, he said this group was perfect for the week that we had. They had brought the teenage um, Mexican community in for a camp, which they'd never been before. Uh, And our kids just supported and loved them, played soccer with them, cleaned up all their trash, uh, hauled off the garbage, uh, handled rocks and wheelbarrows and all of those kind of things with a great attitude and love. And Ray said, you were just what we needed. I don't know. That may be the message Bible translation of well done, my good and faithful servant. You're just what we needed at this time. And you too have that opportunity in your home, out and around in the community, and hopefully on a mission trip, that someone would say, you're just what we needed at this time. It's out there. God bless. And I want to encourage you. I mean, my dad said it and Bruce said it. But if you'd like to get involved with the missions trip, you need to see that man. Um, he's not just working with the youth and doing, you know, a few small pet projects. Like there's so much going on. You don't have to be a skilled carpenter or, Hey, I'm really good with kids or, you know, I do this. Like you don't have to have something like that. You just have to have the call from God. If God's calling you, if he's tugging on your heart, talk to Bruce. He can get you plugged in. He wants to get you plugged in. I want to get you plugged in. Um, we're going to, we're going to hear some testimonies from some teens. I've had some teens who would really like to give their testimony again, who gave it in the first service, and I think I'm going to let them do that also. So any teen, well, teens who are supposed to give it in this service, you have to come up. Um, But any teen who's given it or who would like to give a testimony to, go ahead and come up and stand over here. And uh, we're going to show a slideshow um, from the trip if if that's queued up and ready. But teens, go ahead and come on up so I can bring you out in quick order. Slideshow now. Out on the farthest edge, there in the silence, you were there. My faith was torn to shreds, my heart in the balance, and you were there. Always faithful, 
It was a really awesome trip, and I can't wait for you to hear about it from some of our teens. We are missing Jenna. Can someone please find Jenna? I've been looking for her. Allie, go find Jenna.
I want her to give her testimony. Um, but will you first welcome Marshall Burkett. Marshall was our strength champion. He had a t-shirt. I think he left it there. But uh, I'll, let you, I'll let him tell you more. Thank you, Isaac. Um, the slideshow and Bruce are tough acts to follow, but I'm going to do my best, right? Um, we just got back from the Mexico mission trip, if you guys haven't realized that yet. And uh, there I found out things about myself and my walk with God. The group was really great. They all dove in head first for the glory of the Lord. And the, the, the relationships within the group would make or break the trip. Luckily, it was a success. The 18 hours of driving there were not on the exciting side. You were in good shape if you had some headphones and music or a buddy to talk with. The frequent stops could be good if your tank was full or painfully bad if you stepped out and your knee started talking to you. After the 18-hour trek, we arrived in Austin. We all went to a skyscraper they called the hotel. It was pretty nice. We went out to eat at a place they called Chewy's, home of the biggest big as your face burrito. So I tried one, and the name does do it justice. My night of sleep was comfortable, but not very exciting, seeing that I slept like a rock. But when I, when I awoke in the morning, I hopped in the shower and the fire alarm went off. I got pretty scared, it being 6.30 and all. The breakfast situation was almost disastrous. We took an elevator up to the seventh floor and discovered that the complimentary, complimentary breakfast was closed on Saturday and Sunday. Me being extremely dependent on food, I did not take this very well. Jeremy Smith, Kurt, and I came down to the lobby as bearers of bad news. But Isaac... Where was I? Isaac saved the day with careful negotiating with the hotel executives. So breakfast... Breakfast was made a reality, and I think I can speak for the whole group that the breakfast was an A+. After that... We hit the road on the final stretch to the border. When we crossed the border into Mexico, I expected very poor housing and infrastructure. My, expe- my expectations were right. That's not it. We scooted down a bustling road, tasting death a few times with Cheyenne behind the wheel. <laughs> but everything seemed to be made right when we approached the children's home gates. Once inside, I thought to myself, this can't be Mexico because it was so nice. But yet, there we were, ready to do the Lord's work. Sunday night, we unpacked and started playing with the children right away. Everyone in the group found or was led to a certain child that they seemed to accompany the whole trip. The Lord moved through everyone during the work week. I felt encouraged to do the heavy work, which involved moving two tons of rubble. It was hot and hard, but it was worth it. Events in God's kingdom is always worth it. The playtime with the children was really special. Creating a bond with someone who speaks a different language is hard but rewarding. The kids taught me a lot about myself and how I should live my life. The kids I hung out with that week appreciated every single aspect of their life. They woke up happy and didn't and didn't know what I didn't know what they were saying, but when they sang in worship it was pretty awesome. 
they have a greater respect for life they have been giving and go throughout their day with a mindset that I think everyone in the world should have. It made me think, think deeply. Life is a gift, and the children make the most of it. We complain if our rice and our Taco Bell is not cooked, but over there in Reynosa, they clean their plate no matter what. The trip has really opened up my eyes to the life that I want to live and the life that I need to live. I'm very grateful that the Lord has made a way for me to serve Him. Please welcome Makaya Veal. So, uh, going into Mexico, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I thought, uh, go have fun with the kids, uh, play soccer, I love playing soccer, and tell them about Jesus. And I was like, oh, well, they speak Spanish, what am I going to say? Would I, I want to tell them about Jesus, whatever, but I found out it wasn't so much of what we said it was what we did, and we went out there and worked every day, and let me tell you, you really rethink it that first day out in that heat. You're like, oh, oh, I should have stayed at home. No, I'm just kidding, but, uh, and I was thinking, I was like, well, why are we, why exactly are we doing this? I know we, Ray's got us doing this and whatnot, but uh, why, and I was just out there talking to the Lord, and he was like, you're doing this to find favor in me, and I was like, you know, that's something really important, like, I want to find favor in my master, and so that was the first thing I learned, and then the other thing was every single time we went and did something, like when we cleaned in the kitchen and uh, just everything we did there, uh, it dawned on me, because every day Isaac asked us, uh, he asked us about our God moments, like when we seen God uh, through the day, and you had at least two or three every single day where it's like, wow, God's really doing something here. You could feel it. But I was uh, standing up in the service that they were having, and they were all singing in Spanish. And I was like, we're making these people's lives better. And that really, really touched me. And then, uh, hmm. And then the uh, the final days we were there, like, at first I was thinking, I was like, oh, I, I I, like this work is terrible but then like the next couple of days you start to enjoy it and like as we were going towards the end of the trip we were like mm, it's just going to be terrible to leave this place like we're, everyone's already wanting to go back next year but uh and like like Eddie said in the first service the worship every night was incredible like you just felt like God was like right there beside you and uh Ray's testimony spoke to probably I think every single one of us deeply uh and he was telling us how, like, uh, he was saying how his life, he had to listen and hear what God say and then take one step and then one step, like, every time he heard. And so uh, that was what God was telling me to do is, like, here's what I want you to do. And so now it's going to be set for the rest of my life as I'm going to have to listen and find out what he's trying to tell me. And so... I, I, that was like the main thing he gave me, Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, we walk by faith, not by sight. And so uh, that's, that's all I have. Awesome. Please welcome Eddie Salima.
Hey. Um, well, this is um, this was actually my very first mission trip, um, so I didn't know what to expect. I heard a lot of things about how bad uh, things were in Mexico, how poor it was, and how there was a lot of violence going on. Um, when we cl- when we crossed the border, I remember seeing trash everywhere, roads were all dirt, houses looked like shacks. It got me thinking. Um, how lucky I was, and my perspective about things uh, really changed. Uh, But the biggest impact I had uh, was through the children. Uh, I didn't expect the kids that came from these horrible situations and backgrounds to be filled with such happiness and and joy. You really could see God working in their lives. All the kids were so welcoming and cute and very interested in us. And even though there was a language barrier, we could still understand each other, as weird as that sounds. Uh, we had a common ground our belief in God. Uh, now, the work we did, it was um, hard and hot and sweaty, uh, but it felt really good to do it. To know that every rock we moved, every floor we mopped, every window we sanded and painted, uh, there was one thing that they didn't have to do, and it would help the children. And even shoveling dirt uh, could mean so much. And the uh, worship, well, the worship was amazing. After working really hard during the day and getting to play with the kids in the afternoon, we would sit in a darkened room with a few guitars and sing worship songs. It was very moving. I didn't expect the worship to feel so real, to get so close to God. Although, although we were only there for technically five days, we could really tell how much we impacted the children. As we were getting ready to leave, the children were crying and everyone was hugging each other. I thought about how much impact we could have made if we'd been there for a couple of weeks or a month or longer. I'm very glad I went on this mission trip, and I feel like I'm using that week there to build a direction for my life and where it's going now. I definitely plan on doing more mission work in the future. Thank you. Please welcome Jenna Grossman. Let's get a girl in here. Hey guys. Um, I want to start off by saying that out of all the things that I've done this summer, the Mexico trip was by far the greatest thing that's happened to me in a really long time. Um, one thing that stood out to me on the trip was the last day that we were there. Uh, we were spending like our last moments with the kids and... It was a really emotional time because we were all kind of starting to realize that this was kind of the end, like we were going to have to go home and we weren't going to see them anymore and they knew that we were leaving too and um, we were just loving on the kids and I started to realize that, you know, we, like every day we'd have at least maybe two hours to uh, play with the kids and that time was really important to them and it was important to us but that day I realized um how how much of an impact just that we made on them, just hanging out with them and playing with them, sharing a few, few laughs and stuff. Um, so that was one thing that God showed me that day. But later on that night, um, there was a camp that was there, that was staying there at the orphanage. And at night they'd have like these gym games that they would play. And after that, they all circled up and prayed. And I guess they were praying for us because we were leaving. And... After they prayed, we walked out of the gym, 
and everybody was outside waiting for us. Everyone started clapping. Everyone was like shaking our hands, hugging us, telling us like wishing us a good trip home, I guess. And while we were walking back, we all kind of like turned around and I just looked at everyone like waving at us and it just kind of hit me that I almost, I almost missed out on this opportunity. Um, back in January when we were signing up for this trip, I didn't want to go, honestly. Like, I didn't have a reason. I just didn't want to. I didn't feel led to. I didn't know what it, it was my first mission trip, so I didn't know what it felt like to, like, know you were supposed to do something or know that God was calling you to do something. And Isaac sat me down and was like, I really want you to go. And in my head, I was like, eh, uh, we'll see, whatever, you know. So then my parents started pushing me and my friends started pushing me. And I kind of, I had to, like, ask myself a question. I was like, what's holding me back? Like, if everyone else is, like, telling me that I should do this, and like, why, why don't I have peace about it? And I realized that, like, the enemy was trying to just put a roadblock, like, in my way. Like, this opportunity that God had set out for me to go and do this, to learn things, to get stuff out of this trip, and I almost missed out on it. And I'm really glad that I didn't, but it just makes me think about, like, everything else that goes on in my life. Like, what else am I going to turn down? that God has for me or what else is anybody going to turn down? Like you really have to look at what other people are saying to you. And then you got to ask yourself, what's holding me back? Thank you. Great job. And Jeremy Smith. All right, most of you know I'm like my dad, so if I cry, give me a second. Um, this, th- shut up. <laughs> this trip really opened me up. My friends, they don't, they're not Christians. Most of them aren't. Um, They're not saved. They don't even go to church. They do stuff that they shouldn't do, and I have done it with them occasionally, and I regret it. And I've, I've made up for that, and that's with me and God. But this trip has changed me. Being with the kids, they don't. They don't get to go have fun. Their life is in this compound, and they're fine with it. My Makai mentioned it earlier. Um, Isaac made us have God moments throughout throughout the trip, just throughout the day, things we saw God in. And the one that hit me, I think it was the Wednesday we were there. I, it took me back to playing ball with my dad and my friends. Issue somewhere. This shall continue.
in just a second. I would like to say that I didn't make them have God moments. That God gave them God moments. I just made them share them. I wasn't pulling any strings or anything. And next year, I'm not going to make them. Sorry about that. They're random. And it's back. I'm going to look up. So, okay. Um, it, cha- it, it really changed my life. The, the God moment that I had, it took me back to playing ball with my dad and all my friends. And what started it, we were playing with the kids. And it was hot and sweaty, so I took my hat off to wipe my forehead. And before I put it back on, I went like, minus the blood. I went like that. And something my dad made us all do was write, work hard, play hard, and have fun on the bill of our cap. And it it hit me like a wall. It took me back to playing with my friends. And, And I'm really thankful because we're coming back this spring to play again. And I've missed playing ball. And if you haven't gone on a mission trip where you're with kids or with other people that are aren't as privileged as we are, you need to go on one. It will change your life. Yeah. Their testimonies are incredible. There's more that went on the trip than just the ones that you've heard. Um, so you should, I encourage you to talk to a teen. Just say, hey, how was the trip? Because there were so many things that happened. I mean, Jenna, I think it was Jenna who just alluded to it, but that, that end when the kids sent us off was the best thing, like human thing I've ever really experienced. Like with a, I mean, I've, and I've played on the road. I've played, you know, in bands, like in big amphitheaters and heard crowds, but Every single one of those kids at that camp, like hundred, like a hundred kids or more, was just cheering for our group, for our kids. I mean, I'm not talking about like clapping. They were cheering, and they were so thankful. It was unbelievable, and they were everywhere. And uh, that was just such a great moment. It was such a God moment uh, to be a part of. And I'm really thankful that that God has allowed me to be a part of all this, um, to be to be able to be the youth pastor, to be able to lead these teens. Um, Pretty much everything has already been said uh, that, that needs to be said. But I do feel like God's given me a word for you guys for this morning, and that word is faith. Faith. You've been hearing it out of, out of some of these kids' mouths, out of some of these other people. Faith. And uh, when he gave me that word, I really felt like he was saying, um, look, look to the passage of the mustard seed. And so I did. I looked it up. I looked at, uh, the first one that I looked at was, you know, when Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move into the sea. I was like, that's incredible. You know, God, that makes me feel like my faith is so small. That's how I felt. Like when I, when I read that, and that's how I've kind of always felt. You know, if I just had a tiny bit of faith, I could say to a mountain, move, and it would move into the sea. Yeah, so I started researching mustard seeds. I was like, well, maybe the secret's in the mustard seed. Maybe the mustard seed's like in the shape of a cross, and I can show that on a slide, and that will be so cool, you know, like Louis Giglio it or something like that. But that didn't happen. 
I mean, I researched the mustard seed, but basically all I found out was that it's really small, which I already knew. For those of you who are wondering, it's about one millimeter to three millimeters. If it was on my hand, you wouldn't be able to see it right now. Mustard seed is small. Jesus said in Luke 17, 5 and 6, actually the apostles first said, Lord, increase our faith. And I feel like that's, that's what a lot of people want to say. They want to say, God, increase our faith. Isaac, tell me how to increase my faith. Who's, who's feeling that way right now? Tell me how I can increase my faith. I mean, that's not, that's definitely something. I mean, if, if the apostles are saying, Lord, increase our faith. Well, this was his reply. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. That seems like a confusing reply, doesn't it? It does to me. If you have, Lord, increase our faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you didn't say, okay, well, here's the trick to increase your faith. And as I started to dig and just ponder and pray, what I really felt like God was saying was, it's in the little things that our faith gets increased. Not, not necessarily increased, that our faith grows. It's in the little things. See, oftentimes for me, I have to pray and believe and find the faith for the big things. And I'm aware of that, you know? Like if any of you have had like a job change or you need a job or, you know, you're, you're just wondering where you're supposed to go to school or you're wondering, you know, if, if this is the right person for me to marry. You, you pray, you know, you, you, you build the faith inside of you is what you try to do. Because that makes sense. But for the little things, we kind of tend to do it on our own, right? We kind of tend to go, well, I like that TV show. I'm not even going to ask God. I'm just going to watch it. I like to eat this. I like to go there. I'm just going to do this. This is, this is my routine, and this is what I'm comfortable with. This is, the, this is the way my life goes. This is just a little thing. I think that what Jesus is saying is it's in the little things. When you do what was said earlier, when you listen, what Micaiah said, when you listen and put one step in front of the other, God might be saying, take a small step and go hug that person. And that's, that's a step of faith. God said to do it. And you do it, you embrace it. You go, you go do that and embrace the person. That's a step of faith. But if God also says, say unto that mountain, be moved, it's not because your faith's so awesome. It's because God said it and you're listening and you're hearing his voice. And that's what I think, that's what I think each of us needs to get is that God is speaking to the little things in your life. He wants to push the faith in you in the little things because faith is either on or off. You're either walking by faith or you're not. That's so important to understand. You know, you can... Just surrender just a little bit of your life and walk that part by faith. But that's not pleasing to God because so much of the rest of your time is spent without any faith. Hebrews eleven six says it is impossible to please God without faith. We have to have it. And so how do we have faith? We hear and we obey. Like, well, I don't, I don't, you know, my life is, you know, my life. I go to work. I go to school. 
I have, I have three kids. They're loud. They sometimes wake up in the middle of the night. It's hard for me to hear all the time. I don't get to go on missions trips. I don't think that you're supposed to just hear when you're on mission trips or when you're in church. In fact, I know you're not. God is always speaking and it's right here. You just got to believe that he's speaking to you. It was awesome. While we were in Mexico, I gave the kids short devotionals. I mean, I don't, I'm not against long devotionals, but I really believe that if you give people too much, they don't get anything. You give them just a little bit and they'll get something. So I give them short devotionals and every single one of them would get something different out of it. You know, the same verse in the Bible, God can speak differently to my heart, to Alan's heart, to Steve's heart, to each of our hearts because he's speaking. And when you believe that, when you know that it's real and that it's right here and you listen, that changes our life. You know, I, I hope that each of you gets a chance to get involved in missions work. But whether you get a chance to get involved in missions work or not, what's important is that you realize that each step of your day, wherever you are, has to be a step of faith. If you're not taking it in faith, then you're taking it in your own strength, and that is dangerous. You know, a lot of people were saying that it was really dangerous for us to go to Mexico, and it was, except for God called us to go. And when God's told you to take a step of faith, there might be danger all around, but he's watching over you. And that's awesome. When you're, when you're walking like that, that's when people notice and they go, what's up with that guy? What's up with that girl? Why are they different? Why are they alive? That's what I want for each of you. That's what I want for our teens. That's what I want for our body. And that's what I want for the body of Christ, for us to be alive and moving, not to be dead. Faith without action is dead. A few of you know that. That's actually a verse in the Bible. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's in James. James 2.26. It was pretty awesome. Ray, um, ooh. Ray actually asked all of our kids um, every night, he'd say at each table, he want one kid to stand up and say a memory verse by heart before we eat. So if you wanted to eat, you're going to need to do this. And uh, the first day when I was telling all the kids, hey, you need to know a memory verse by heart, you should have seen the look of terror in like half of their eyes. They were like, in the Bible? Can it be John 3.16? No, not all of you can do John 3.16. Each of you needs to know the word. That's how it becomes alive in your heart. If you're like, you know what? I couldn't eat but one meal this week if I had to, if I had to quote a scripture before it. That's kind of bad. You know, it really challenged me because I know a lot of scriptures, but I want to know them. I want to know where they are. I want to know that that's James 2.26. Faith without action is as dead. You know, I want to know scriptures because it's God speaking to me, like the God. And when I'm listening to him, I'm able to take steps and do things that I wouldn't have been able to do before. Ray Hansen, the guy who runs the, the children's home down there, he was in his 50s when he started 
Now, 50s isn't old, but it is kind of old to start what's happened there. That place is incredible now. And he couldn't have done it in his own strength. It was by the, was by the strength of God. And each of you, it doesn't matter if you're five. I don't think we have any five-year-olds in here. 15 or 95. Like whenever you, whenever you realize that God is speaking and you begin listening and responding, putting action to the, to the voice of God, then that's when amazing things will begin happening in your life. That's when the dead will turn to life. And that's when we'll see huge revolution. Hey, I got to use my shirt. Hey, that's pretty awesome. Um, I want to have everybody who went on the trip, who's in this service right now, uh, come down. And uh, we're going to have Pastor Bruce say a prayer over them. Because, you know, I remember I went on these trips every year. But every year there were people that didn't come back. Not because they weren't supposed to come back, but because either the devil tricked them or they just fell away. And I don't want that for a single one of these. We're going to go back unless if God says not to. We're going to go back to the children's home because I believe that God's called us to go there to have a relationship with them and with those kids because a lot of those kids grow up there. They don't have, you know, a lot of them don't have their mother or father anymore. They've grown up on the street until they until they made it to the orphanage. And the light that we bring in is something that they don't get to see much of anymore. It's kind of sad, but a couple years ago when all the violence started happening, they went from having over a thousand roughly, like every summer come in, to under a hundred. Last year they had eighty three total for the whole summer that came and spent time with their kids. And this summer I think that they're on pace to, to be less than that. But not us. We were there because God called us to be there. And I believe that He's called us to be a part of their lives. And I want to pray that, that God watches over each of these and each of you. Because I don't want it to just be these. I want there to be more of us next year. Whether it's whether it's at the missions house in Mexico or whether it's in West Virginia or in Africa or wherever we're going, we need to we need to show our light to the world. Because it's what God's put inside of us and it's what he wants us to do. So if I could have anybody that's been on a missions trip or as an elder or staff come circle around these. And Pastor Bruce is going to pray for them. And then after that, we're going to have a, just a time of, of prayer at the end like we normally do. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, Father. And in the name of Jesus, Father, we give you glory and honor for praise for what you've done in our lives and what you've done in all these young people's lives. Scripture tells us, Father, in Ephesians, that these young people are your workmanship. And that you have created them, Father, and that you have preordained works for them, Father. In other words, plans for their life that you've set up for them. And we ask, Father, that you help them to hear you and to see you and to walk in your plans. I ask, Father, just like they said, that the desire of their heart is to find favor with you, their master, Lord. I ask, Father, just like they said, Father, that you would show them the things that would hinder them, Father, from doing your will, and that they would turn away and say, I am following you, Father. 
So, Lord, we look back to you, as Jesus said to his disciples to follow me, that you make yourself strong on behalf of all these young people. You make it clear to them in actions and in word, Father, in the depths of their heart of how they should follow you and what you would have them to do. I ask you to equip each and every single one of them. Help them to understand your scriptures and to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, Father. And Father, from this day forth, may they never be the same. May they never look back. May the plow be burned as they walk in revelation of who you are, Father. We thank you, and we remember again, they are your workmanship, created for good works that you have preordained for each and every one of them. We take solace in that and strength in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.